referring to yourself as Sasha it's just straight machine I'm now. trying to erase people knowing my name I think I'd like to go as the machine oh, okay. from I think now I just, uh, I'm trying to stay that. anonymous hmm. mm-hmm. okay um I'm thoroughly anonymous at the moment <laughs> so I'm trying to remain that way <laughs> this week is gonna be a little bit different because uh our categories were sort of game specific yeah and like Lakers people doing things specific which has not been the case minus the front office but we were sort of not paying a huge amount of attention with our categories the most dad lebron thing i've seen this week is that he just hasn't it's really hyped for easter yeah yeah i guess that's i guess that's what it is i don't think lebron's been able to celebrate easter with his family in some amount of time and he's he's pumped i actually did think today like wow i'm this is actually cool for him like he gets to spend a little bit time bit of time with his family and like go on vacation a little earlier like yeah with his kids you know take him to school maybe i've been watching the videos that he posts of Bronny, and i gotta say that kid looks fire <laughs> he is gonna be so good on the lakers it's amazing <laughs> it's gonna be so good it's a good thing we can't get he's tampering Right? Good thing. Good thing. Look. But, you know, the Lakers refuse to go quietly into the offseason, right? It's true. There Uh, is a little bit of stuff to talk about with the Lakers. It is always rumor season with the Lakers. That never quite ends. (laughs) No, Santa Ana winds have been blowing hard. (laughs) Hard. So apparently we have, like, a shadow executive. Yeah. So the, the Lakers dope. have two openings, major openings in their front office, right. along with, you know, all the other positions that other teams think need to be filled that we've decided Rob Blanca can just handle. But anyway, oh, yeah. two major openings. We've got He's going to be the trainer, too. We've got the here? president of basketball operations, which Magic stepped down from, and we've got the head coach. And normally you'd think, right, we'd, fi- we'd hire a president first, then he'd hire the head coach. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. really going in that order. Especially considering how last season <laughs> went. With, like, Magic and Luke, you kind of want You'd your coach to be... the lesson, yeah. right? But, you know, that's... Maybe it takes two times to figure that out. Who knows? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what they say about, you know, fool me twice. Shame on me, right? Yeah, shame on me. So, we've got the head coach search going in full blast, really. Uh, I think uh, yeah. first interview is down with Ty Lu and Monty Williams. Second interviews are coming up. Cool. You know what I think? I think people are a little bit too critical about this right now and that maybe we should just be a tiny bit happy at any point in our lives about what we do have going on for us <laughs> complain all you want about it only being three coaches and like who they are or whatever but i don't know i'm just happy we're looking at three guys and a couple of them are pretty interesting prospects yes, to me i agree uh <clears throat> well was the only one interviewed last time so, yeah. <laughs> you guys. And multiple interviews also. Multiple interviews. Good sign of progress. I don't know. But anyway, as this head coaching search has transpired, there's also this theory that the Lakers have their eye on an executive who they want to be their president of basketball operations. But, but it's a secret. <laughs> the shadow executive. 
But he's currently employed by a playoff team so that they don't want to bring out the name, which on, on a number of levels makes no sense because for one, you can interview people on playoff teams, which is what the Lakers are doing with Monty Williams right, right now. <laughs> and the if Maybe you don't want people to know about it, like nothing about the Lakers stays secret. Not in this administration. <laughs> like this <laughs> That's the most unbelievable thing about this is the idea that this is going to stay a secret. <laughs> They're, they're, like, putting out a rumor that they have a secret. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> just, I mean, I think it's a ruse. I think they're just trying to make themselves <laughs> seem more confident than they actually are. I don't think that anybody is going to be hired above above Rob Palenka. Yeah. I almost said LeBron James. <laughs> no one's going to be hired above <laughs> Rob Palenka. Which, I mean, maybe then it's not such a bad thing that he is the one conducting the coaching search if he's going to have ultimate power in the organization. I don't think Janie knows what she's going to do yet, so it's possible that she's going to hire someone above Rob Palenka. It's also possible that she'll just bump Rob Palenka up to president of basketball operations and hire a new GM. Correct. Which I think might actually be a more, more positive and logical way to structure if you're going to keep Rob Palenka. You know, we got to work with what we're getting here. Either way, there's just there's a lot of drama. There's always drama in the, yeah, the Lakers drama. proceedings, and uh, if you were worried that we'd have nothing to talk about, you know, that's not the case. <laughs> you underestimated the Lakers if you thought that attention whores just <laughs> through and through. Um, so instead of categories this week, we thought we would do a fun like I'm gonna call it like a thought experiment. Um, called Lakers Postseason Dreamscape. This is going to be exciting. It's really fun. So we're just going to – I was inspired by the Nets postseason right now. Wait, I, are you a Nets fan? <laughs> <laughs> Where has this been the last seven weeks? Um, guys, it's actually been slightly disappointing, but overall very entertaining. So if you haven't been watching, I highly recommend it. It's a really good watch, actually. Jared Dudley is being too much, but, you know, it, we, we're all, like, on board, I think. All right. So the Nets are in the playoffs. Nets are in the playoffs. And I was like, this is so cool. I mean, they're losing, but it's cool to see what their young guys are doing with play with their playoff experience right now. Right. And it kind of made us think, well, in an alternate universe where the Lakers had made the playoffs... What sort of things would we be talking about right now? Yeah. And I just think that it, would, it might be a fun, like, exercise to talk about what each of the young Lakers could be seeing, like, what we could learn about their game from playoff experience. Right. And then what sorts of ways would like, their flaws be exposed? Yes. Or what sort of growth would they have to go through? And Yeah. yeah. And basically, the, the premise of the thought experiment rests on... They're all healthy. They never got injured. Or if they did, you know, it was like minor, like two it, big things, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. And LeBron is also healthy at full strength. So we're going to like, it's just to like speculate on what the role, what like this Lakers team could have done had injury not been a factor. And, you know, we got to see our young team in the playoffs. Yeah. Playing for the first time together. Exactly. So, obviously, this is not exact answer. This is just fun stuff. It's a dreamscape. <laughs> the dreamscape. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. 
So the first thing we have to talk about is who would we play in the first round of the playoffs? Right. This is the big. This is a big question that determines because ra- matchup in the playoffs is such a big deal. Super important. Super right. important. So, what would it mean for playoff positioning having LeBron James on our team in the Western Conference? Okay. So as everybody likes to point out, we were in fourth place. We were when, in fourth place when we played the Golden State Warriors and LeBron went down. So I don't think that it's reasonable to assume that we would have stayed in fourth place because mm-hmm. the schedule was about to get more challenging. The schedule was right? really hard, yeah. But maybe in like the six, seven range is where we could have slotted ourselves, okay. right? Let's just six, say six, seven. six, seven optimistically, right? Okay. okay. I think that there's a chance that having LeBron and all the young guys play together for a longer period would like... Uh, Galvanize them? Yeah, yeah, would like change chemistry in such a way mm-hmm. <clears throat> that... Or, like, develop chemistry in such a way that they could be more effective. In the second half of the season. In the the second half of the season. So, I I personally would have loved to see them at the five. Against Houston? Against Houston. I think that... Is that how it is? Yes, Houston's the four, so yeah. So, they play in the four, five. Okay. Yeah, because I would have loved to see... Rondo and Chris Paul play in the first round of the playoffs. Do you know Chris Paul have a history? Is that a thing? <laughs> I genuinely think that it would have come to blows. Like, I think there would be suspensions. Well, considering it already came to blows, yeah. I think it's a pretty safe assumption that more of that would have happened. Yeah, I think... So I, we'd be dealing with a, a lightened roster again. It would be <laughs> scrappy as hell. It would be super scrappy. I also think that we have, like... A little bit of a chance on defense with them. I think we have some players so who can be challenging. So in this postseason dreamscape, we're assuming that the deadline deal still happened, right? So Reggie Bullock still on the Lakers. Because this I do think we wrinkle. need Bullock to guard Harden in this scenario. Ah. So we're, I, I guess if we don't take that wrinkle out, then we still have to deal with the mentality issues that happened because guys were on the trade block exactly um but assuming Mm. nobody gets hurt then maybe that's i do also think that that was probably overblown and that they are tougher than we think Mm -hmm. and that you know brandon ingram was playing better so that's not i don't think the the play of any of the young guys was affected during that january period it was more just veterans who were not involved in trade rumors who really just saw their value tank but anyway, let's let's yeah. assume that it's the same roster that presently we have. Yeah. You know. And we're playing up playing the Rockets. So we've got Bullock on Harden, right? Which I think, you know, reasonable matchup. I think that's what he can't be doing any worse than these jazz guys are who were literally just like defending oh, it's behind so him bad. and allowing him unmolested access to the rim. The the best part is that they're taking away his first option and just like not even considering his second option. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we're just going to take away the first option, but take you can do back, whatever can do the f*** Anything else. That. Anything else. It's so bad. <laughs> Who came up with this? But what's what's cool about playing in the playoffs, right, like you were mentioning with the Nets, is that we get to see how all of their young players are faring in this environment, right? So, mm-hmm. like, not only are their strengths, like, you know, visible for a national audience, but, like, we also... Their flaws are magnified, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting to think about what sort of characteristics of the Laker players would be amplified in this setting, right? Yeah. So let's start with uh, Ingram. Brandon Ingram, the baby boy. Tiny dog. Our tiny, tiny dog. Who's not... I hope next year when he comes back, his shoulders look proportional to his body. That's my hope. 
That's my hope for next year. I think he would have an opportunity to have a breakout postseason. I think he was the way he was playing before his injury mm-hmm. was so promising and very exciting, and I wish we would have been able to see more of it, and I think that he would have been able to have a breakout postseason. Right, and uh, we know we've mocked Magic and Rob endlessly about the way they built this team, like thinking that you need multiple ball handlers around LeBron James yeah. to make him more successful, but I do think that secondary creation of Brandon Ingram would have been really important for this team in the playoffs. Especially in the playoffs when, like, the de- the defense is so much more intense. Exactly, and, and they know exactly what you're going to run, so you have to have counters for everything, and that's, you know, yeah. presents a counter to all of that LeBron defense. And he... <laughs> I think he has a very unique physical... Like, he, he has unique physical attributes and a very, like, unique skill set that actually is perfectly built for a playoff play because he just has, like, this incredible size and length and, like, great basketball IQ. He just – there are certain physical things about him that are very tough to stop. Right. And that is something that it's harder to account for in the playoffs. I think right. that length would really come in handy, like, just blanketing guys in the perimeter, you know? Yeah. I would love to see him defend in the playoffs, you know? Yeah. Whoo, he was looking so good. Like, I really think that he could have a breakout, like, defensive performance. Like, and would be amazing. the one thing is, like, you think about this, uh, all these teams in the playoffs, certain guys just become unplayable because they can't shoot. Yeah. And unless they're the primary ball handler, a la Ben Simmons, who even has his own issues, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you just see these rotations get shortened because they coaches don't want to put players on the floor who can be, you know, guarded off. Like, you don't right. have to defend them on the perimeter. So I don't think that's as much of an issue with Brandon Ingram because if you're not going to guard him on the perimeter, he just is going to blow right past right. you. And or take, take a tough mid-range jumper and make it. Like, the fact that he can just make those tough shots on the fly is, like... He he literally can only make tough shots. <laughs> he is built for the postseason. And then you also see, like, that same thing with... I mean, I don't think it's right to compare him to, like, Iguodala and Draymond Green, but, like, when the defenders sag off of them, they just find passing angles, right? Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that Ingram can do better than, you know, other players who their one skill is just, like, shooting. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, he, he just has, like, a really particular set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also think that he has shown that he can make shots under pressure, like right. make big, big winning shots. And I would love to see how that translates to the playoffs as well. Yeah, I don't think the the volume was ever a thing with Ingram. Like he never takes as many threes as you would want him to. Yeah. But his percentages got better as the season went on. So yeah. I have to think that that would like have a progression, you know, that continued into the playoffs. And I would love to check this out or somebody else can check it out because it seems like a lot of work. But... <laughs> I'd love to know when he takes those shots. Like, like are they more when the often? Shot clock or? Yeah, and like when in games. Okay. Like whether he's taking them at more, uh, like when we need a three, he like is he's gonna take it because mm-hmm. it does feel like my intuition is that's true, but I obviously haven't, haven't looked. Looked at the numbers. Yeah. Seems like a lot of work, <laughs> and I don't have like the access. <laughs> to those types of statistical websites because it costs money. It does. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> and I'm just going to go on intuition for now because that's free. All right. So we've got Redding Room. Um, I think another player where you think about, like, would he be schemed off of the floor because the shooting is obviously Lonzo Ball. Yeah. Right? 
And 100%. that is a much more challenging conversation, I believe, to have. Mm-hmm. Because Lonzo, <clears throat> his rookie year, it seemed like he had all the confidence in the world in his jump shot, which I feel like is important. If they're not going to guard you, at least keep taking the shots. And then, yeah. like, just human emotion, they're going to say, oh, he keeps shooting threes. Like, I should put a body out there, you know? Yeah. But then he sort of lost that that confidence, you know, this year. He wasn't as yeah. fearless, I think, is the word I'm looking for. He, he didn't he take shots himself. with gusto. Yeah. yeah, He basically would, like, you could tell, I mean, this is something that Laker Film Room talked about a lot, mm-hmm. is how when Lonzo moves with, like, a fluid shooting motion into mm-hmm. his three, he usually makes those, like, when yeah. he doesn't hesitate. So if he's hesitating, it often doesn't go in. It does sometimes, but mm-hmm. it often doesn't. And almost always when he's taking those fluid shots, they go in. So... I think he started doing that later on. I think that did start to happen a little bit later in the season. And his defensive, like... He was so good on defense when he got hurt. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. His defense was... Had just been getting better and better and better all throughout the season. And it's insane how much his defense at the point of attack just affects everybody else on the Lakers, right? It just amplifies the rest of them. Oh, my God. If he could... Something that I've liked about D'Lo in this series is... Even though he struggled with his shot, Mm -hmm. he has been able to be resilient. Not just, he just keeps taking shots. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. something that D'Lo does. We'd like to see that more from Lonzo. But he also talks on the court and he like directs offense and even directs defense sometimes, which is not his strong suit. So I would love to see Lonzo be able to take on that role a little bit more. And I think that had he had the second half of the season to develop on defense even more and, like, develop that leadership, we would be able to see that in the playoffs. Yeah. One thing I'd also love to see if it translated for Lonzo in the playoffs is that pace that he plays with. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the Lakers are at their best when he throws, like, quick hit-aheads and outlets. And even if it's not, like, a traditional fast break, just when the Lakers move off of, you know, the baskets. And I think naturally, like, there's just this – this theory that the game sort of slows down in the playoffs, yeah, you know, and yeah. everything gets mucked up. And I hate to bring it back to Ben Simmons again, but, like, you know, fantastic in transition, average in the half court, right? Like, well, Lonzo's <laughs> much better in transition. And I, I just wonder if that would have carried over into the playoffs or because we have LeBron James, like, would our tempo get slowed and, like, that would minimize what Lonzo was able to do. I think that LeBron was committed to playing fast, mm-hmm. actually. I think that was, that was something he definitely, like, put out into the universe mm-hmm. through, like, the media. So it's something that he wants us to believe. But I do think that he was, like, committed to that because I think he sees that that's the way forward in the league right now. Like, it's also just the way our guys have to play. Yeah. And when you have a guy like Lonzo who thrives so much mm-hmm. in that setting, like, why play in, like, stagnating half courts that don't benefit him at all and... It's yeah. true. I just think, like, the last four years, especially in Cleveland, like, that's that's sort of what benefited them, you know? Yeah. So, you know, another dreamscape for us. Different <laughs> strokes, everybody. A pattern that I'm noticing also from watching the Nets is how well-developed our younger guys are on defense compared to them. Okay. Yeah, I think um, the way Zoe and Ingram developed defensively, you know, mm-hmm. just, like, hearts, instincts in the paint and in the post yeah. – uh, those are things that I think are a little more advanced among our young players than guys around the league. And I Not think that defense is as important as offense, unfortunately, but... Yeah, I mean, it's. I do think that uh, it's a little bit just of a different route that Luke takes over, uh, like, the way that Kenny... His name is Kenny Atkinson. Atkinson, yeah. yeah. 
just wanted to make sure. I know things, but I just ask just in case, you know? <laughs> Kenny Atkinson has developed them slightly differently, and you could say better, but I do think that, based on the fact that they're in the playoffs right now, mm-hmm. but I do also think that there are other factors. Like, yeah. we are, the Lakers have to go a different way. It's just, it's who we are. We, we win. We win. And we're not winning, obviously. <laughs> but they made moves to win. That was the point. So I get that there's, like, a different thing going on with the Lakers than the Nets. But I think that the way that Luke developed the young guys to be really strong in their defensive skills, like, develop defense, their own specific defensive style mm-hmm. that's, like, really specific to their physical and, like, mental attributes was really good. Right. Like, you wouldn't think Brandon Ingram, who's, like, 6'9", probably even longer with that wingspan, you'd think you'd want to play him, like, three or four, and yet his best defensive moments come when he's guarding, like, two guards and, you know, point yeah. guards. And then, like, Josh Hart, who's much smaller, but he's just, like, built like a tank. He basically is our defensive power forward. He's crazy. Yeah. It's just, it's another one of the things that I would have loved to see in the playoffs because teams that are built on their defense, like Utah, let's say, I just feel like they're easier to scheme for in the playoffs, whereas teams that have more offensive talent that, you know, amplifies in the playoffs. So I I just wonder that our team, where our defense was clearly miles ahead of our offense when we were playing well, if that would have sustained in the postseason. Yeah. No, that's very fair. Mm -hmm. I do think I, I by no means was Luke a perfect coach. <laughs> like I just think that like the Nets aren't as developed on defense, so they suffered on that end, and their offense hasn't been enough to keep them afloat right. in their games. So we like have to keep in mind like they're the sixty. This is their first year in the playoffs, first go yeah. round, all those caveats. But it's nice to see like this is a very clear example of what they need to work on going forward. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and that would be a great thing to see from the the Lakers. Would probably be that like maybe our defense would be able to hold up, but that our offensive schemes are not advanced enough to be able to work on a playoff level, which I think we all kind of thought before anyway, because they didn't really hold up in the regular season, so (laughs) not sure why they would show up in the in the offseason. Maybe we would be forced to bring in Alex Caruso when Rondo inevitably got suspended in that Rocket series. (laughs) Wait, that's like an alternate timeline that I want to like deep dive into. Wow. That actually brings me joy. Yes. If you haven't noticed from seven episodes of our podcast thus far, Alex Caruso is one of the primary factors of our joy in this Lakers season. We love him. I'm more, like, I'm, one of the things I'm, like, kind of mad about from the season is that we didn't bring him in earlier. And I know a lot of people are mad about that, but, like, I just want to say it on the air. I'm kind of mad about that. Yeah. Yeah. Think about how different our season could have been if we brought him in post-Christmas and decided to let him run the reins of the offense instead of doing whatever else we did without Londo. Londo. Rondo. The combination of Lonzo and Rondo. They were both out. Um, That's about as bad of a nickname as LeBron gave them at the start of the year. <laughs> Zoe and Doe. <laughs> Yikes. But I mean, I guess, you know, in this theoretical situation where we made the playoffs, we never got this last month of the season where we enabled all of the G League guys to sort of show out. So, you know, that's a situation where we don't see what Caruso has. We don't see which Mary Jones has. And... I mean, I think, I, I think like we're a... better for it, but, like, I I also really enjoyed that month of the season. That was some really fun basketball. I think there's a non-zero chance that there's an alternate timeline in which Rondo does get kicked out of the playoffs for doing something f***ed up. And then they just are like, what are we going to do? And their solution is to bring in Caruso, to call up Caruso. 
And he plays his goddamn brains out. And we just get, like, a show. Well, Caruso also brings in an interesting point because yeah, um, in the playoffs, obviously, right, we're playing the same team over and over again. So they get mm-hmm. a chance to scout your specific tendencies. And Caruso literally told the media that was, like, that first game he played against Toronto where he was just fantastic. He's like, I don't think they knew my game. Yeah. Right? So I yeah. don't think they knew what to do. Right? And, you know, we've seen our guys uh, succeed in, like, small bursts of time. Right? But is that sustainable when you have the same team who's game planning for you every day? If it's for one game, mm-hmm. if I if, – if Rondo gets suspended for one game mm-hmm. and we call up Caruso for that game – I think we win that game. <laughs> and then immediately go back to Ross for the next game. And lose all the rest of them. <laughs> that guy sucks. Oh, man. He's probably one of the easiest guys to scheme for in the playoffs, right, as the opposite team. And then again, there's also the thing of national TV Rondo, who just oh. brings it to another level every time the lights are bright. Like, I mean, the last time he was in the postseason, well, last year, he was fantastic in that series for New Orleans against Portland. And then the year before that, they took two games off of the Celtics in Boston – when he was with Chicago before he got hurt, and then they lost the rest of the series. So, I mean, the whole point of signing Rondo was I wanted to get to the point where national mm. TV Rondo was a thing, and we didn't get to that point. On the other hand, we just maybe suffer. it's better we never got to that point so we don't have to suffer again. Yeah. So maybe Unless that. we just do. Well, Luke's they bring not him here back. anymore. That's true. Actually, the one good thing that came out of Luke's firing... Oh, that he much and Rondo were like tethered to one another. The suicide pact that Rondo has. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I still can't get over. I know I, I mentioned this in the last podcast, but I still can't get over Rondo. Or sorry, I still can't get over Luke saying in that press conference that you can tell when guys are being sincere. Yeah, he can tell when guys are being sincere. Not like that's either a complete self own. <laughs> Or so Rondo, much shade. Right? <laughs> I can't tell whether he's just being super shady or super unself aware. Yeah. All right. I put our balls in the past. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've talked about what the young guys would look like in the Not past, Kuzma. Right? I think we have an idea of what Kuzma is, right? I. This is a tough one for me. I think that Kuzma is like a wild card question mark for me in the playoffs. I don't think he's a guy who can start for a playoff team if you expect to win a series. Not at this no. point in his career. But I do think that his appeal for me is so strong on a LeBron-led team. With LeBron, he is a freaking maniac out there. Right, because he has the guts to take all those shots that are going to be open for him, right? He can make tough shots, mm-hmm. and that's that's another playoff thing. I really think that that's, like, an important thing of, of his game that kind of gets overlooked mm-hmm. a little bit sometimes because it doesn't matter as much in the regular season. Right, because season. He, he takes unnecessarily tough shots. Yes. Right. But the fact that he can make them kind of helps. <laughs> you have to you have to be able to make tough shots in the playoffs mm-hmm. if you're going to be a shooter, mm-hmm. like if you're going to be a scorer. Right, because the, the open looks are just not there because, again, they can see for you. Like, this happens to Reddick, this happens to Korver, you know. His three would be a huge problem. Yeah. Also, his defense. Might be a problem. And his defense might be a problem. Yeah. He has it in him. He his mentality gives him the benefit of the doubt from me mm-hmm. that he is capable of playing good defense, and he is capable of making himself not like a huge liability because he actually did improve a lot. Remember that Boston game really early in the season where they schemed for Kuzma and just switched him onto Kyrie every time, and Kyrie would just 
fucking up every <laughs> single Kyrie does that to possession. just about every defender in the league. I know. And it was like, but it was like, they were targeting him very mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah. And you could tell. And after the game, I remember he told Luke, I mean, I wasn't there, right. but I read that he told Luke that that would never happen again. He was like, I'm not going to let that happen again. That sucks. And it did happen again. But he worked hard enough for it to not be that, like, obvious and Right, and I'd like to see a situation up. where, you know, again, he could be targeted and see how he's responded mm-hmm. since then, yeah. But a guy on our team who I don't think has those same liabilities. Yeah. Josh Hart. Obviously, Obviously, yeah. like, I mean, he... He's so solid. Yeah, I don't think he has near the upside that Kuzma does from an offensive perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not just going to throw him out there and expect him to, like, Especially, get a heater and hit, like, four shots in a row. Let's but... assume, though, no knee thing. Even so, I just don't think he has he can hit the that, like, uh... No, no, he's, he's not like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's yeah. not going to be, he's not going to give you, like, a 30-point game. That's right. not going to happen. It's just hard watching the playoffs thinking we could have had Derek White <laughs> <laughs> right at that spot in the 2017 draft. <laughs> anyway, yeah. sorry. We love basketball. We like the Lakers. We, we love basketball. <laughs> We're doing this to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we are going to talk about one more thing because we did talk about all the young players. I mean, the vets are not as interesting to talk about because we already know what they're like in the playoffs. I think probably the only thing I would be interested in is seeing JaVale as, like, a main center rather than, like, him getting heavy minutes rather than being, like... Just part of the rotation. Part of the rotation and, like, good for some matchups. He's going to be your main guy if he's on our team in the playoffs, so I think that's interesting. Yeah, but all the see. other vets, I, I don't expect to be back on the team, and I don't want to think about what they look I like. I don't like care. Anymore. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> they've already spent too much time. <laughs> we're moving past it. What we want to talk about really quick is what would affect the mythology of LeBron more? Losing to a non-Golden State team in the playoffs, first round of the playoffs, right? or not being in the playoffs at all? You know, scenario two is what we're living in, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> LeBron gets hurt. Uh, he appears to be mortal. He can no longer mm-hmm. just shake off man injuries and go back into the game. Like, he actually has to go through rehab and recovery. And yeah. he sat out so much of the season. And I think people are, like, sort of giving him a pass because the Lakers were such a tire fire. And right. a lot of the problems were not of his own doing. Yeah. And we're sort of expecting LeBron to just sort of come back fully recharged for next season, right? Yeah. I think um, I totally fully expect that from him. But I also think it's interesting how the playoffs have been very entertaining. A lot of people are saying, like, it's such a shame that LeBron's not in the playoffs because he's such an entertaining guy to have Mm -hmm. in the playoffs. And it's really weird to not have LeBron in the playoffs. And to that I say, we've actually had a really entertaining playoff. (laughs) It's kind of cool to have a year off. And say, like, okay, this year there's no LeBron. So when you take out that incredible, like... He's like an attention suck. Like he's an attention grabbin- suck. Gravitates towards him. And he's a win suck. <laughs> other <laughs> people get to have some success. Other exactly. people get to, We get to see what the other teams can do without LeBron in the mix. Mm-hmm. They get an opportunity to show what they can do, which is really fun for East teams. And mm-hmm. it's really fun for West teams. And I think this is just a fun little break. And next year... We're going to fucking flatten you, motherfuckers. You idiots. You idiots. This is your year, you guys. If you don't win this year, if you let Golden State win this year, you're not winning next year, homies, okay? Because LeBron is back next year. 
I do think it's better for him, honestly, to have been injured and not compete in the playoffs than have to lead a flawed Lakers team into the playoffs where, I mean, even best case scenario, like our young guys show out, they're still not ready to go to the heights that like LeBron is accustomed to getting to. So for him to like play in a series against Houston and, you know, we lose in five or six, I think that is more damaging yeah. to his legacy than just, okay, we'll call this year a wash. You know? Yeah. I think that he's definitely benefit from benefited from the the mm-hmm. idea of like how injuries are sort of like the main issue with the mm-hmm. season. And I think that there's a lot of truth in that organizational just like disarray. Mm-hmm. And he sort of has been able to be be sort of more of a bystander in these discussions and in these like chaotic fucking like <laughs> hellscape things which is really good for his reputation i think and i think what we're weighing overall about the playoffs this this year is how good it would have been for our young guys to have the experience of being in the playoffs like what they could learn from it versus how embarrassing it would have been for LeBron to lose. for LeBron and us to just lose in the first round and like to a team that we have maybe like a this is a long shot of winning against yeah yeah but I mean again I let's be clear much rather would have made the playoffs it would have been better for us organizationally right. to have made the playoffs <laughs> it would have been better for the young guys it would have lent more credibility to what we're doing in Los Angeles totally although I mean there's there's also the theory that like it had to all blow up spectacularly for us to get this right. I'm not sure I subscribe to that. It is blown up too spectacularly for my taste. Yeah, I don't... I think we would have had to have shown that we've learned something. I don't know. Like, things are getting slightly better, but was... The where we're, change is not yeah, worth it. Is <laughs> where we're at now worth what happened? Yeah, not at all. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Which is why we just spent, you know, 30 minutes debating <laughs> what it would have been like if we had made the playoffs, because that's how the season should have gone. Right. Yeah, we should have been able to talk about this. I would have absolutely to be talking about how Brandon Ingram is friggin' killing it and how he dunked on. I you don't know, even know Clint Capella. Clint you know? Capella. Even then, you know, I would have even preferred to be talking about how Alonzo needs to work on these things, you know, to be better next year because one this is not going to cut it in the playoffs. <laughs> one thing we didn't talk about was free throws. Oh, God. I don't know. We don't need to, Let's though. just assume you put on a Laker jersey, know. you're not shooting better than 70%. It's decided. <laughs> it's decided. And your threes are in the toilet. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to fake an ankle injury and get the hell out of there. Oh, poor Reggie. <laughs> All right. Well, on that uh, light note, it's just jokes. <laughs> it's just jokes, guys. Come on. <laughs> so we're just going to have to figure out something to do next week, too. We'll get back to you. Maybe we'll just say, Fuck your categories next week as well. well I'm, I'm pretty boop, certain boop. the Lakers will have tons more news to entertain us with over the course of this week because playoff teams are going to start losing so the shadow executives could emerge oh my goodness <laughs> gotta say I'm not paying attention at all <laughs> gotta say I'm pretty much just being a Nets fan right now alright well you know how much I love Nets talk so <laughs> thanks for listening 
Uh, make sure to subscribe to the Silver Screen Roll podcast for Lakers Talk every day of the week. Yes. We got you covered even during the off season. Yeah. Yeah. We think. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to record something about the Nets after we're done <laughs> that she doesn't know about and just add it in. I don't know if she listens to the end. I listen to everything. <laughs> It's anyway. the first thing I do on Monday mornings. <laughs> As it should be for all of you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next week, everyone. Have a great, great week.